Good evening. Thanks for being here, guys. It is, it's good every Wednesday to come and gather together to sing with you and, uh, and to see you. So really, thanks for being here. Uh, for those of you who are new here, maybe it's your first time at Citizens, welcome. Uh, my name is Sam. I'm the youth pastor here, and um, I'd love to get to know you. There's a lot of leaders here who would love to get to know you as well. And uh, man, stick around because this is, this is going to be fun. So yeah, let's go right here, Justin. <clears throat> we'll go right here, okay? Go ahead and open up your Bibles, Psalm 63. Psalm 63, we are, we're in a new series called Thirsty. New sermon series as we're going to go through this entire psalm, and we're actually memorizing this. We're actually memorizing this as a youth community. So has anybody started memorizing Psalm 63 yet? All right, great time to start, great time to start. And so... Um, Next week, we'll just have a big reciting party. One at a time, they'll come up here, recite it in front of everybody. I'm just kidding. Every introvert in the room is just like, ah! right? No one's here. Yeah, next week, it's me. I'll bring my wife. That way, we're not alone. But um, anyway, so we're going we're gonna to go through Psalm 63. And so today, we're going to go through the next chunk of, path, of verses, and we're going to be in verses 2 through six, And so go ahead and open up your Bibles, grab your sermon notes there as we're in uh, Psalm 63. And as you turn there, I want to ask you this question. Have you ever been in a wilderness? Have you ever been in a wilderness in your life? Okay. Have you ever had a point in your life, a season of life, where it felt less like a refreshing river, and more like a dry desert. Have you ever been in a wilderness? Have you guys ever been in a situation where your social life is so messed up, right? Where it's just, man, your friends are acting different. And, and it seems almost like your friends have moved on from you. Or, or maybe you're the new kid at school, and it's kind of hard to fit in. And just, man, it just, you're in a wilderness. It's dry. Have you ever been there? Maybe you've been in a season of life where your family situation is just so out of control between your parents and your siblings and you, and you just wake up sometimes and you're like, am I on camera? Is this a, is this a practical joke that my family is this crazy? Like, all right, all right, joke's over, seriously. What is happening in my home right now? Maybe you've been in that wilderness. Maybe you've gotten that report from the doctor that your mom has been waiting for or your dad has been waiting for and it's just another stroke of bad news and the only way that you can describe it, you say, I feel like I'm in a wilderness. This is dry. Maybe you guys, you have the expectations, right? You have to have, be a good student. You have your coaches. You have your parents. So many people that you, they want you to please them and so the expectations of life are just weighing heavy on you. Maybe you've come to a point where you just, the only words you can describe yourself as are anxious, stressed out, and you're just so heavy, and you're like, man, I'm 15, I'm 16, I'm 18. Why is life so heavy? It's a wilderness. You're at a season of life where you go, man, I, I think I remember those guys, joy and happiness, but I haven't seen them in a long time. Have you ever been in a wilderness like that? 
Are you in a wilderness right now? Have you noticed that when you're, when you come to this wilderness, it's almost as if your soul is just like, has this aching, right? Your soul, there's something inside of you that is just like, ah, there's just this like, this longing for something. Or you can call it this thirst. It's like your soul is longing and it's thirsting because you're in a wilderness. But have you ever noticed this? And here's what I want to talk to you about today. Have you ever realized that when you get to that point, when you find yourself in the wilderness, it can cause you to take a look at your own life and to, and to ask yourself this, what am I looking forward to? What am I looking to to satisfy that thirst? You find yourself in a wilderness, life is just a mess, and there's that aching inside of you. And if you really pay attention, you can ask yourself, what am I looking to? What am I expecting to fulfill this thirst in my soul? Have you guys ever noticed that? Life is not as it should be, and you start to realize what are the things that you're looking to to fix it. What do I believe will satisfy my soul? What am I thirsty for? And so today, we're going to spend a little bit of time in the wilderness. King David, he's writing this psalm, right? He's a tremendous king. I mean, he's the high watermark of kings, but today we're tuning into his reign, not at a glorious high point, but at a miserably low point. King David, he's a king in the Bible, and we're going to find him in a wilderness today. He's in an emotional wilderness, right? Life is just a mess right now. I won't even go into the whole story, but put it this way. There's a revolution in his kingdom, and guess who's trying to overthrow him? His son, right? So he's in an emotional wilderness, and then to top it all off, he's driven physically into a literal wilderness. He's in the desert. And just like you, when he's in the wilderness, his soul is longing. And just like you, when he's in the wilderness, he asks himself, what can I look to? to satisfy this thirst. And so what we saw last week, for those of you who were on spring break, welcome back. What we, what we missed last week is that King David, he turns. He says, my soul is thirsty, and so I'm going to turn to God. So here's David. He's in the wilderness. He's longing, and he says, I know what can satisfy my soul. I know what I can look to to satisfy the thirst of my soul. And what he does is he looks and he turns to God. And he says, I don't want what God can give me. I don't want help. I'm not asking him for something. I want him to satisfy my soul. I want God himself. Because what David realized, friends, when his soul was thirsty in the wilderness, what he realized is that being close to God will satisfy your soul. Being close to God will satisfy your soul. Why? David, of all the things you could look to, you're the king. I mean, you have ladies, you have riches, you have the finest food. Of all the things that you want to look to, to satisfy the, the aching in your soul, you're looking to God? You really believe that God will satisfy the thirst of your soul? And the answer, friends, listen to me, those of you who are in a wilderness... Those of you who have ever been in a wilderness, those of you who will be, all of you, in a wilderness, the answer is a resounding yes. Yes, God, knowing God, being close to him, yes, that will satisfy your soul. And today in our few verses here, just for a few moments, we're going to see why. 
We're going to see why. So read with me. Let's read our passage. Psalm 63, verses 2 through 6. Look what he says. He goes, so, well, let's, let's go back to verse 1. Recap for last week. Oh, God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land. And so look what he does. So, I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied. I love this. Check this out. Imagery, right? My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. (laughs) That's awesome. My mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. The first thing we see here in our text, look at verse 2. He says, I've looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. The first thing we see is that there can be satisfaction in the wilderness. There can be satisfaction in your wilderness. And so look at David. He's hungry, right? He's thirsty, and he has this little flashback, right? He's thinking, and he goes, man, I remember the times that I've gone to the sanctuary. How many of you guys have a sanctuary in your home? You're like, I don't even know what a sanctuary is, unless it's a garden, not that kind of sanctuary. A sanctuary, let me give you some background here. The sanctuary in Israel, there was like, just let's call it this, there was like a decked out tent. You're like, I love camping. No, no, no. Not that kind of tent, all right? There was a tent in the Old Testament. We called it the tent, we. I wasn't there, I promise, right? We, we. They called it the tent of meeting. And so there's this decked out tent. I mean, it is just, it's tricked out. I mean, the furniture is, is, is awesome, right? There's colors. It's grand. It's huge. I mean, people like put their gold and silver together to deck out this tent. What's so special about the tent? Well, you know, David loved camping, and, and that's why he liked the tent. No, no, guys, this wasn't just any tent. Do you guys know what went on here at the tent? This is a tent that God set apart, meaning he made it holy. He set apart this tent, and he said, this is where I'm going to live. <laughs> You're like, God loves camping. Awesome. No, no, God set apart this tent, and he said, I'm going to have a very special purpose. you got to follow this. He goes, I'm going to have a very special purpose for this tent. This is where God himself would live, right in the midst of the people. All right, time out, time out, time out. Can God really fit in a tent? Like, I know they have those tents at Costco. You can fit, like, 17 people in a tent, and I always see those, and I'm like, why would you go camping with 17 people in one tent, right? Like, I don't even do that on a bad day at home. I'm not going to, like, 17 people, that's just, that's a headache, right? And so it's like, I, I know tents can get big. I know they're pretty creative, but friends, God doesn't live in a building. You're like, yes, he does. He lives at Life Point. No, no, no. Do you guys realize that? God doesn't live in a building. He can't be confined to a room. So whose idea was it to build a tent for God? Like, seriously, bright idea, great idea. That's awesome. Build a tent for God. Whose idea was it? It was actually God's idea. Because here's what happened. God loved people so much so that he put his home, that he said, I will come and be right in the middle of you guys. I love people so much that I want to come and and pop a squat. I want to come and move in right next door so that we could be close to each other. 
That's the sanctuary here, okay? That's what God did. God moved in next door right into the midst of his people. Look at here. I, I have a verse real quick. Exodus 29. This is what God says, friends. And this is why we're doing this right now. The reason why I'm up here with a microphone is so not that you can hear what Sam says, but that we can actually hear this God who claims to be God of all the universe. Let's hear what he has to say, and then we can decide. But look what he says. This is who God is, not what other people say about him. This is his words. I will dwell among the people of Israel, and I will be their God, and they shall know that I'm the Lord their God, who brought them out of the land of Egypt. Why did you bring them out of the land of Egypt? So that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. And so here's, here's David, right? He's in the wilderness. People around him aren't saying, I want you. You know what they're saying to David? I want you dead. Right? He's experiencing this betrayal in the wilderness. But friends, there can be satisfaction in the wilderness. Because every time that David saw the sanctuary, think about this. Oh man, all right. Every time that David saw the tent, every time he remembered the sanctuary, every time he went there, he was reminded of the mind-blowing truth. God wants to be with his people. Do you get that? Every time David thinks of and sees the tent, the tent, the guys, the sanctuary is God's statement. I want to be with you. I love you. I want you to know me. I want to be close to you. I'm not some faraway God in heavenland. I'm the one who comes down right in the midst of you, and I want you to know me. And that's what David thinks of. That's what David hears every time he sees the sanctuary. Friends, are we not wired? Students, are we not wired to want someone to say to us, I want you. I love you. I chose you. When I got married, I woke up that morning, and my best man, Jared, he says, he says this to me. He goes, there are a billion women in the world, right? You're choosing this one? And I'm like, shut up, bro, it's my wife. No, 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 like, he wasn't saying it in a mean way. He was just, he was, he was helping me understand the, the, the magnitude of this choice. He goes, there's over a billion women in the world. You're going to stand up there in front of everybody and point to this girl and say, all of those other options are dead to me. I choose you. And then I was like, say that again. I got to write that in my vows, right? <laughs> I'm like, Jordan, I choose you. But, I mean, think, my wife, when I told her that, how did she feel? Ladies, how did my wife feel when I told her that? <laughs> you were there? What? She loved that. Why did she love that? Because we're hardwired. Man, there's even guys. Guys are like, yo, not me, yo, yo, yo. Listen, guys, even us. My wife, when she stood up there, she was saying to me, out of all the guys in this world, you're the best for me. Which is why I don't understand why they call it the best man. Because if he's the best man, then what does that make me, Right? I'm like, can we call him the second best man, <laughs> you know, for real. But she got up there and she was saying, I choose you. We are hardwired. We want, we are craving for someone to look at us in the eyes with genuineness and say, I choose you. I want you. I love you. We're hardwired that way, aren't we? Do you listen to the radio? Will you still love me when I'm no longer? It's like she's literally saying, will you still love me when I don't look pretty anymore? <laughs> Lana Del Rey, anyone? 
Never mind. Yes, right? Yes. Summer 2015. All right, so, so we're hardwired that way. Music, movies, books. You're like, oh, let's not talk about that one. I don't read books. All right, but I heard that in books they have this. Guys, we're hardwired, friends. We're hardwired for someone to look at us and say, I love you. I choose you. And when you're in the wilderness of life, when life is tough, when it's dry, that feeling is only magnified, isn't it? It's in those times that we're longing even more for that. And what we're learning here from David is that there can be satisfaction in the wilderness. In God, the longings of your heart are satisfied. There's a satisfying love. And that's why David recalls at this time, I've been to the sanctuary, the statement where God said, I'm going to be close to you. Look what else he sees. He goes to the sanctuary, and look what he says. He goes, I am beholding your power and glory. So not only is there a satisfying love when he's close to God, there's also a satisfying power. Let me explain what I mean by that. There's a satisfying power. He would spend time in God's presence. He comes, he'd come to the sanctuary, and he's spending time, and he's just gazing at God. Not physically, he's spending time thinking about God. He's becoming familiar with who God is. He's, 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 he's growing in his understanding of who God is. And as he does that, he realizes that God is powerful. I'm talking about power, man, to quote Lecrae. There's a power as he thinks about how God actively saved, him from, saved them from Egypt, crossed them over to the Red Sea and put them in. He's like, man, that is powerful. We sang about it. Man, he is the lion, right? There's just a power. There's a ferociousness to God. He sees his glory. He's looking at God, and there's just splendor. There's majesty. He sees his glory, and he goes, this is not something light. As he gets to know God, friends, he realizes this is serious. There is something about God that has a gravity to it. it. You know when, like, you're chuckling with your friends? That's a light moment. You're like, ha, 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 yeah, I'm having fun. We're in homeroom, right? And then you go to like a funeral, and it's like you just kind of sense the heaviness of the moment, right? And if you were like me as a middle schooler, you're like tempted to laugh during those heavy moments because we're just, you're immature. But that's immature, right? You recognize there's heavy moments. He looks at God, and as he gets to know him, he sees this power and this glory and this weightiness, and he sees him, and he goes, this is not something to take lightly. And it's satisfying. How many of you guys have been to the Grand Canyon? Anybody? Raise your hand if you've been to the Grand Canyon. Okay. Show a picture. You're like, oh, never mind. That was the gorge. <laughs> yeah. That's the Grand Canyon. How many of you have been to the Grand Canyon? Okay. In Arizona. Yeah. You've been to the Grand Canyon. Like, That's where it is. Yes. The big hole in the earth. <laughs> Friends, do you know that when people have anxiety, when people are stressed out, when they're mourning, do you know that sometimes doctors and counselors, they'll recommend to go see places like the Grand Canyon? Do you guys know that? Why is it that when people are stressed out and anxious and heavy with life, they go to the Grand Canyon and guess what? What happens after they see the Grand Canyon? They feel better. 
They go to the Grand Canyon, and there's just something that it's just, it takes their mind off of their problem, and they see something that is bigger than them. How many of you guys, when you, you've been to the gorge, right? Let's start there. Yes. All right. There's still no one. Okay. You go to the gorge. How does it make you feel? Have you ever hiked in the gorge, and you come to a high point, and you're just climbing, and you're climbing, and you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to die. How long have we been doing this? And your friend is like, five minutes, bro, right? And you, grow, and, you, and you come up, and then finally you get to the top here, and you see Mount Hood in, like, high definition, right? And it's like, and, like, it literally sings like that. And there's a mountain there. And then you look down, and you just have this river, the Columbia River, and then there's trees, and then you look around the bend, and there's waterfalls into the river. I'm from the East Coast, all right? I grew up in what was called the Pocono Mountains. Anybody hear the Poconos? Exactly, all right? They're called the Pocono Mountains. That's because the people who named them have never been to Washington State. They're the Pocono Bunny Hills. Seriously. And so I'm coming out here as an intern, and people are like, dude, the mountains. I'm like, no, I grew up in the mountains. Pocono Mountains, ever heard of us, right? And I come out here, I'm on the airplane, and they're like, you can look out your right window and see Mount Rainier down to the southwest. You know, I wake up, I'm like, mountain, mountain, right? And I pick it up, and it's like, <laughs> close the window. <laughs> Did I just see what I thought I saw? <laughs> Lord, I pray we do not crash into one of these mountains because they are so tall. They are mountains. And why is it, friends, that when you go and you see beautiful scenery and you see a mountain and you see waterfalls into the river, there's something inside you that just is happy. Is there any other word for it? I dare you to go hike up there, look at that, and be angry. Close your eyes. I dare you. You hike up there and you look out and you're like, I hate. You can't, it's just, why is it that when we see beautiful things, when we see things that are powerful and glorious and majestic and full of splendor, why is it that something inside of us is just like, that is satisfying? It's because we are hardwired. We are, you are hardwired. You are created to behold something that is so much bigger than you. And it's satisfying. Even when you're in the wilderness, it is satisfying. And so here's David, friends, and he realizes there can be satisfaction in the wilderness. Because when he's close to God, he beholds his love, he's in the sanctuary, and he beholds his power and his glory. And because you're hardwired to long for those things, because God made you that way, when you draw close to God and see those things, your soul, remember that, aching, that longing, that thirst for something, it's satisfied in God. It's a satisfying power. And now guys, you don't have a sanctuary that you can go look to and say, wow, God is close to us. You don't have a sanctuary where you can go in and look around at all of the majestic paintings on the wall and the furniture. And you don't have something where you can go in and say, wow, this reminds me, God really is powerful. But tell you what, friends, 
2,000 years ago, get this, get this, get this, students. 2,000 years ago, the God who came and dwelled in a tent, he took it to the next level. Students, the God who came and dwelled in a tent, he took it to the next level. Because he didn't come and dwell in a tent, he came and he dwelled in skin. John chapter 1, verse 14. John records this about Jesus. He says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Let me read that again. The word became flesh. So this is Jesus who who has existed. Talk about big. He's existed forever. The eternal Jesus Christ. But wait a minute, he was born on Christmas in 0 AD. He existed forever, the Bible tells us. We went through Colossians last summer. He's existed forever. And he decided, that word, he became flesh. And he dwelled. He lived. He moved in next door. Dwell is actually the same word for tabernacle in the Old Testament, Greek and Hebrew, friends. This is just, everybody that's listening to John, they know exactly what he's saying. He's saying the God who used to live in a tent has now come and moved amongst us, and he lives in skin, and his name is Jesus. And so guys, check this out. For David, he would go to the sanctuary, and the sanctuary was the statement, I love you, I want you, I want to be close to you. For you, you look at Jesus, and Jesus' life is the statement, I love you, I want you, and I want to be close to you. For David, he would look at the sanctuary, and that's how he beheld power and glory and majesty. For you, you look to Jesus, and you see raw power and glory and majesty. I hate every time I see paintings around Easter time, and it's like a little weak Jesus, right? 6'2", 120-pound Jesus on the cross. Yo, Jesus was powerful, right? Not only just physically, but he was just a man. He had real power. He rose people from the dead. He healed people. Poof, gone, right? Not you gone, the sickness gone. You're like, he vanished people into frogs? No, that's not the Bible. Jesus had power. And you know why he had power? Because he wasn't just an ordinary man. He was God, fully God, like a laser beam condensed into a point. The power of God. Like imagine the sun. Take all the power of the sun and and put it into a point. Right? Like you just look at it. You're gone. Right? Like he took all the power of God, the power and glory that David saw, laser focused in the person of Jesus Christ. And so friends, the satisfying love, the satisfying power, those things that satisfied David's heart by drawing close to God in the sanctuary, you and I can now experience satisfaction in the wilderness because of Jesus. Being close to God will satisfy your soul. He comes to God, and, and you remember, remember how when he first came to God, he was, 
My soul is thirsty. We talked about it last week. He was, it was like a dry desert. His tongue was sticking to the roof of his mouth. His skin it was like sandpaper. Remember, his lips were cracked. He was so thirsty, friends. He was in a wilderness. He was so thirsty. And now, after turning to God, now, after reminding himself of who God is, is he still thirsty? No. Look what he says. He says, your steadfast love is better than life. He says, when I see your love, I realize that it's better than life. And I'm so satisfied. Verse 5, my soul be satisfied as with fat and rich food. (laughs) David says, you know that feeling on Thanksgiving when you're done with your seven-hour course of eating? He's like, you know that feeling on Christmas where your mom just did not stop stuffing food down your throat for like four hours and then she said it's time for dinner? You know that feeling when you were like so hungry because all they had at school were those little nasty rubbery chicken fries and the sliced carrots that were yellow. Yeah, and you're just hungry. And you come home and your mom, instead of your mom saying, fine, whatever's in the fridge, she ordered pizza and it's on the counter waiting for you. He says, you know that, and it's warm. He says, you know that feeling? That's what my soul is like. That is what my soul is like when I'm close to God. Because being close to God will satisfy your soul. And then here's the kicker, friends. Here's the kicker, because I don't want to mislead you. I don't want you to think, if I draw near to God, everything will be better now. All my problems will disappear. Friends, look what he says. He says, When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. Listen to this. When I remember you in my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. He wrote this. Where was he when he wrote this? He was still in the wilderness. He was still in the wilderness. He says the watches of the night. You know what the watches of the night are? I don't know either. It's the nighttime, right? No. The, the Hebrews, they divided up the night into three parts. You had the first third of the night, the second third of the night, and the third third. He said, I'm up all night. Why are you even around during the watches of the night? Isn't it hard to sleep when you're in the wilderness? When you have anxiety and you're stressed out and life is hard and parents are fighting and, and there's talk of divorce and there's stress and anxiety and your friends are, are talking about you, doesn't that tend to keep you up all night? Do you find it hard to go to sleep? Do you find yourself being up in the watches of the night? And yet, even while he's up at night, even when he's still in the wilderness, that's when he makes the statement, God, your love is better than life. And so what I want you guys to realize here, I'm telling you that being close to God will satisfy your soul. Getting to know him, friends, spending time with him, not reading your Bible so that your youth pastor doesn't, like, attack you. I don't do that anyway. But you're spending time with him to get to know him. And when you do that, friends, it's not that the wilderness goes away. It's not that your parents stop fighting. It's not that the pressures go away and the stress. That it's that even in the wilderness, there can be satisfaction. 
Even when you're up all night, even when you're on your bed thinking about your problems, even there, you can write the words, my soul is satisfied like a fat kid on Thanksgiving. My soul is satisfied like a kid who just stuffed his face. Even though I was thirsty in the wilderness. And so friends, there can be satisfaction in the wilderness. And then look at the, the second and last point here. The band can come up. But I want, I want you to look at the words here. There was satisfaction in the wilderness. And now, look what else there is in the wilderness. Look, 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 look up here. Look up here. My lips will praise you. I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. My mouth will praise you with joyful lips. Friends, not only is there satisfaction in the wilderness, there can be singing in the wilderness. There can be singing in the wilderness. Here he is, friends, and he was crying in the wilderness. Life was hard. He's in the desert. And now here he is in the wilderness. Nothing has changed, and yet he's singing. Why? Because being close to God will satisfy your soul. And when you draw near to him and you realize who he is, your only response, the appropriate response, is to sing. And so I'm telling you, you young men and young women tonight, being close to God will satisfy your soul. Friends, when your soul is thirsty and you're tempted to look at other things to satisfy you, when your soul is thirsty and you're looking to the friends or the success or the achievements or, or your parents, whatever it is that you're looking to to satisfy you in the desert, I'm telling you that being close to God, drawing near to him, knowing him, that will satisfy your soul. And your response, and what your response is going to be tonight, we're going to sing. Our lips will praise him. Our souls will bless him. We will have joy. And so this is how I want you to respond tonight, friends. Eyes up here. This is how I want you to respond. As the band leads us, I want you to sing. I don't want you to sit here and watch others sing. I want you for a moment, pretend like nobody else is next to you. Look at the words, look at the truth that we're singing about God. And even if you're in a wilderness, you can sing in the wilderness because there's satisfaction in the wilderness. And so let's sing. Let our, let our lips be full of praise. Let our mouth bless the Lord because he has satisfied our souls. Stand with me to your feet and let's sing.